Welcome to Family Law Talk. Family Law Talk. Presented by Kirk Stangy of Stangy Law Firm, PC. Stangy Law Firm is a multi-state family law firm. Now, here's your host, Kirk Stangy. Welcome to Family Law Talk. We have an interesting topic today. The topic is, what if my spouse doesn't accept the divorce paperwork? And this is based on an article on our blog, St. Charles Divorce Attorneys Blog.com, dated June 26, 2023. And the title of that article is, What Do I Do If My Spouse Won't Sign the Divorce Papers? So, as a follow up to the episode today, go on over and read that article on the similar topic here today. But let's go ahead and jump on in. Uh, divorce can be complicated and difficult you know, both legally and emotionally for a lot of parties, even where cases are amicable, there can be a lot of stress. Um, In some cases, uh, the issue that one spouse faces is that the other party doesn't want the divorce. Maybe they refuse to accept the papers, refuse to accept service or sign off on the divorce papers. And that can cause a lot of individuals to wonder what to do. And this is particularly true for an individual who wants a divorce who wants the matter concluded, but they're dealing with a spouse who either doesn't want the divorce, is seemingly delaying the divorce, and isn't cooperating. So the question is what to do. And so look, ultimately, if a party won't accept the papers, and we typically refer to this in legal land as waive service, so they you know, what they do is they get a copy of the divorce paperwork and they sign something, typically waiving service. And so what happens if a, if an individual won't do that? Uh, typically what has to happen is then they need to be formally served the paperwork if, if the party is intent on getting a divorce. And, and that can happen a couple of different uh, ways. Uh, for the most part, way one is the sheriff will go out and actually hand the papers uh, to the other party, which is called service. So at that time, they've then been served the papers. Um, in some circumstances, a party might hire a special process server who is a private investigator, typically. So they don't, they don't work for the county or anything like that. Uh, they're private investigators, and they go out and serve papers, and they have to be licensed through the state or county where the case has taken place. But they can also uh, provide the papers to the other party, which, which in essence means they've been served. Uh, some lawyers will use the sheriff. Uh, oftentimes a sheriff can cost a little bit less money, but more complicated cases where it's hard to serve somebody, a private process server can often uh, do a good job. Uh, typically they'll be uh, able to be responsive after hours and, and perhaps they're not as busy and maybe they're paid a little bit more so they're incentivized to serve the paperwork, okay? So so these are the two typical things to do if a party just won't accept the paperwork and waive service, you know, past that, then the question is what what needs to happen from there? And, and ultimately the laws are gonna vary by state. So it's really crucial to find a lawyer who's licensed and competent to practice law in your jurisdiction. But once somebody's been served, they typically have to file what are called responsive pleadings uh, this can be called an answer in many states. Oftentimes, uh, the party might file their own counter petition, and then they file the other necessary paperwork, and that could involve uh, financial statements, uh, proposed uh, custody schedules, maybe proposed child support calculations or whatnot. But, but typically, there's timelines in terms of how quickly this has to be filed, and this is going to vary by state. 
Um, in Missouri, where I've predominantly practiced throughout my career, it's a 30-day time frame uh, for a party to, to get their responsive pleadings filed uh, after they've been served. Now, it's possible that a party could request leave to file responsive pleadings late, but typically it's a 30-day uh, time frame. So then what a lot of individuals ask is, well, what if that doesn't happen? What if they serve the paperwork and they don't file any responsive pleadings? They don't do anything. They don't hire an attorney. Then what we're looking at is a default divorce. So if a party has not filed the responsive pleadings within the time frame, then the party who initiated the divorce, who served the other party, then they could have their lawyers file a motion for default and try to end the divorce that way. Uh, the term default can be confusing to some, but, but the way I've always told uh, clients to think about it is think forfeit. You know, if it was a sports game and one party showed up to the field and the other party didn't show up, it's a forfeit. So the one team wins just because they were there. In a default divorce, uh, the party who initiated the divorce and served the other party, um, if, if there's no responsive pleadings, Again, they can file that motion for default and then attempt to conclude the divorce on terms that are favorable to them based on the other party not participating. But the way this typically works is, you know, once the timeline has elapsed for a party to file their responsive pleadings, they then file the motion for default. And then typically that has to be set for a court date. Again, this can vary based on the state and locality, but at least from my experience, you file a notice of hearing with the motion for default. And then the issue is, is does the other party show up to that court date? If the responding party shows up and they're ready to file responsive pleadings, uh, typically uh, the motion for default won't work. But if they don't even show up, so they've been served the papers, they've had the time frame to respond, then they get a notice of hearing for the motion for default and they don't even show up, then, then oftentimes that motion for default will be granted and if it's granted, it typically means a divorce is granted, and it's granted on terms that are favorable to the party who filed the case and served the other party. Okay, so again, think forfeit. You know, the one team showed up, the other team didn't show up, the, the team that didn't show up, they lose. Uh, some might ask, what are the benefits of a default divorce? Well, uh, fewer court costs and attorney fees. I mean, if the other party doesn't participate, they don't show up, if they don't file pleadings, typically that will result in less court costs and attorney fees, um, typically less time present in court. Um, you know, judges have to approve any proposed uh, paperwork put before them, but uh, typically less time being present in court is the case because the judge is just signing off on what the initiating party requested. Uh, again, uh, Typically, these are very favorable to the party who filed the case. So the requests that they made are typically granted. Now, in theory, a judge could deny them, but, but most of the time they don't. Uh, a lot of the process of financial disclosure can also be avoided, like, you know, discovery, you know, the issuance of subpoenas, depositions. A lot of this stuff gets avoided uh, in, a, in a default divorce. Now, in terms of the cons of a default divorce, you know, what could be the issues with it? Well, look. If there's kids involved in the responding party, the party who was supposed to respond and didn't do anything, if they come back within a reasonable time, they may be able to set aside the, the default divorce. So if they come into court and they've got some kind of valid excuse, some sort of valid reason why they didn't act sooner, 
If it's within a reasonable time, sometimes a default divorce can be set aside. And from my personal experience, uh, this is more likely where there's kids. I mean, courts don't typically like a parenting plan or a custody schedule that's put together by default. So if the other party comes back in some kind of reasonable time, they can often set it aside. So, you know, on the surface, it seems great. Okay, we got the case done. But if the other party comes back, it can be disappointing to the initiating party if if it's set aside later. Uh, other questions individuals have on this topic are, can a spouse refuse a divorce in Missouri? Well, look, uh, to get divorced in Missouri or really any other state, and again, the laws are going to vary by state, uh, it's typically no fault in, in this day and age, almost everywhere. So a party typically just has to allege that the marriage is irretrievably broken and, and that there's no reasonable likelihood it can be saved. Okay, one party could deny that. They could deny that and contest the divorce and say, no, they think it's savable. Uh, obviously, this is, you know, the, the likelihood of this working is, is typically not great. And the laws are going to vary by state, and different judges could have different uh, preferences or viewpoints on it. But typically, if one party wants a divorce, they're going to get it. But in theory, take cases where there's still sexual relations taking place, or maybe the parties are still living in the same home. In theory, maybe a judge could deny the divorce, but uh, typically pretty rare. For the most part, if a party wants a divorce, they're going to get it. But a party can contest it at the same time if they think the marriage is savable, maybe request counseling, uh, mediation, something like that. Uh, some parties ask, what is abandonment? Uh, well, abandonment, again, is where one party leaves their spouse without mutual, mutual consent, and they do it for a period of time that's significant. And again, the laws are going to vary by state in terms of what can constitute abandonment as a whole. But typically what we're talking about is the parties don't agree to the one spouse leaving, so one of them just leaves. It typically has to be a significant period of time, maybe six months in a row. But again, this could vary by state. Uh, the remaining spouse didn't pay support to their spouse during this time. The remaining spouse didn't cause their spouse to leave. And, and typically abandonment, if, if the criteria are met by statute, uh, can be grounds uh, for granting a divorce. But again, with no-fault divorce, typically you don't have to go this route. But some parties might choose to go a more fault-based uh, reason for a divorce. And again, uh, the ability to do this is going to vary based on the laws in a particular state. Um, another question a lot of individuals have is how long do you have to be separated before divorce is automatic? And the truth is there really isn't a such thing as an automatic divorce, okay? So one party just leaves, or if there's a long separation, uh, there's not an automatic divorce. I mean, people could, in theory, be separated for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, but if a divorce isn't granted, uh, they're still married, and so uh, there's no automatic divorce. So uh, it really requires one party filing the divorce paperwork uh, to get the process going in order to make a divorce happen. Otherwise, parties are just separated, but they're not divorced. Um, another question a lot of individuals have is how long does a typical divorce take? Okay, this is a very common question. Uh, the problem with the question, even though I appreciate it every time I get it, is I don't know what a typical divorce necessarily is. Um, look, there's waiting periods in states. Uh, Missouri, for example, has a 30-day wait period uh, before a judge can grant a divorce, and other states can have longer periods of time in terms of a wait period or a separation period or something like that. 
Um, but the reality is, is a divorce past the wait periods can be completed if the parties have an agreement on everything. So property and debt, child custody, child support, spousal support, attorney fees, and then you have to get into the nitty-gritty details in terms of every piece of property, in terms of custody, the days of the week, the times, the holiday time, the summertime, etc. So all of that has to be looked at. But look, if, if two parties can agree to all of that, then typically settlement paperwork can be put together. Both parties can sign it. And either they sign it with an affidavit or they do a non-contested hearing and they can get their case uh, concluded. But for a lot of individuals, the issue is there's not an agreement on everything. Maybe, maybe two parties agree on 70% of the issues or 80% of the issues or 90% of the issues, but maybe they just don't agree on 10 or 20% of it. Well, the 10 or 20% of it can hang the whole thing up. And if the parties can't eventually reach a compromise on those issues, then there has to be a trial or a hearing where the judge has to decide those issues. And at the trial or hearing, then the divorce is concluded. But to get a trial date or a hearing date, a divorce can take many months, uh, sometimes longer than a year, depending on the judge and the jurisdiction. So in terms of how long a typical divorce takes, look, the truth is they can be uh, easy and simple after the wait period is passed. Uh, or can take many months past that or even a year or more in some jurisdictions. So the truth is the length of a divorce can be all over the map, and it's really based on whether or not the parties can reach an agreement or not, and then how backed up the judge's docket is if the parties can't reach an agreement because then the issue is waiting for a court date to try to conclude the matter. All right? But that's the topic at hand, definitely an interesting topic. You know, lots of individuals get frustrated out of the gates. They want a divorce, but their spouse won't accept the papers, won't sign the papers, if you will, and they don't know what to do. And again, what typically has to happen in that scenario is they just need to be served. Serve the papers either by the sheriff or a special process server. And if, you know, if that's not possible, in some rare, rare cases, maybe... Uh, uh, notice can be had through publications, so through legal periodicals, if service absolutely cannot be had and the, and the parties sort of disappeared, nobody knows where they are, uh, then sometimes a divorce can be initiated through the publication process where notice is published in a legal newspaper or periodical. Uh, but I'd say that's very rare and, and very much a last resort. And typically, a party's got to be gone a long time before uh, that is really possible to do it that way. But it's not impossible in some circumstances and maybe the only resort. Well, look, that's the topic today. Definitely an interesting topic. As a follow-up, go on over to stcharlesdivorceattorneysblog.com. Read the article titled, What Do I Do If My Spouse Won't Sign the Divorce Papers? Uh, that'll give you more information on the topic. But I appreciate you all tuning in today. Stay tuned to our next episode coming up on Family Law Talk. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Family Law Talk with Kirk Stangy. Visit stangylawfirm.com for more about today's topic or to put Stangy Law Firm to work for your family today. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri or Illinois reviews or approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The information you obtained in this podcast is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. You should consult an attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. We invite you to contact us and welcome your calls, letters, and electronic mail. 
Contacting us does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please do not send any confidential information to us until such time as an attorney-client relationship has been established. Past results afford no guarantee of future results, and every case is different and must be judged on its own merits. Kirk Stangy is responsible for the content. Headquarters, Office 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri 63105. Kirk Stangy is licensed in Missouri, Illinois, and Kansas.